Hi everyone, this is Matt Evans, Head of IoT and Smart Infrastructure at Tech UK, and welcome to a special October edition of our podcast, which comes to you live at our Supercharging the Digital Economy event in Manchester. This is the third of our marquee event, which focuses on the benefits that greater digitization delivers in the non-digital sector, how it acts as a boost to productivity, the challenges that come with it, as well as the incredible opportunity for those both inside the tech sector and in sectors who are adopting digital technologies. We are holding this year's event in the fantastic Bright Building at Manchester Science Park, and we're really showcasing how the UK's position as a tech leader can support and strengthen the digital transformation of key UK sectors, and how government and industry can work together to overcome common challenges that may be preventing greater digitization. Because we're in Manchester, we're also looking to see what role regions, particularly those with metro mayors, have in driving digitization and what they need to do to survive and prosper in this world. We're really happy to have an incredible lineup of speakers today, and I'll be grabbing as many of them as possible to get some of their input and thoughts on what has been happening today. So retail has been one of the two tracks that we've been discussing at Supercharging today. In a world of mobile internet shopping, same-day delivery, multi-channel retail advertising and marketing, contactless payment, facial recognition, augmented reality, the retail experience has undergone a huge number of digital revolutions in recent years. What is clear is that the retail sector is far from at the beginning of its digital journey. But what does the future hold for retail and technology? To discuss this, we're delighted to be joined by Liliana Daniela from the British Retail Consortium. Welcome, Liliana. Thanks for being with us today. Can you perhaps just explain the role of the British Retail Consortium and the work you are leading at the BRC? Hello, Matt. Thank you for, uh, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, the BRC, the British Retail Consortium, is the leading retail trade organization. We are representing businesses that uh, are responsible for 180 billion uh, pounds and that are employing over one and a half million employees. We have over 25 years of experience. My, uh, my role at the BRC as an economist is to conduct research on, uh, on retail. So I look into different aspects of retail, whether, um, whether I do the analysis on uh, retail pricing, on um, forecasting sales, or I do bespoke uh, pieces of analysis on the impact of retail. And do you look at sort of the value of digital technologies to the retail sector right now? You know, what do you and the BRC think are the key benefits and opportunities for increased digital adoption uh, by retailers? Well, if we think of um, where is the driver of growth right now, yeah. which is at least for non-food, uh, the non-food sector is yeah. in online uh, businesses, then definitely technology has, uh, has a very great uh, potential. Um, and what we have observed over the last, uh, over the last um, 15 years is that the internet has disrupted the business model in a way that has never, um, the, the industry has never experienced it since it has been set up in the late 1800s, beginning of 1900s. Yeah. The internet obviously had a huge impact on retail over the last decade. How much really is that, has that been a change for the sector? And how do you think traditional retailers are starting to use digital technologies to, to adapt to that change, to, to utilize the internet technologies themselves to deliver a richer 
uh, more informed customer experience? If we look at the data, we see that online sales, if we look at um, um, what's happening now versus some years ago, in 2006, 3% of all sales were uh, online. Last year, 18% of all sales were online. Uh, furthermore, if we look at non-food sales, over the last two years, 8% of growth per year has been realized online. While if we look at in-store sales for non-food over the last two years, they have declined at the pace of 2% per year. So online is having a huge impact yeah. and also online is where the growth is. Yeah. At the same time, some studies have shown that there is a lot of latent demand for online uh, shopping, yeah. which means that retailers are trying to, uh, to make sure that they have, uh, they have their digital technology in place. Yeah. And uh, what we observe is that there are, if you wish, three categories in which um, technology has been applied on, uh, okay. in retail. One is the digitization of, uh, of the industry. Yeah. The second one is, um, is a drive to increase productivity. And the third one is, is, a, is an initiative where there are um, um, uh, activities, actions taken to enhance customer uh, uh, experience. And specifically, uh, one can look at what retailers are doing to enhance the, uh, the online shopping experience. And for that, they are using different, um, uh, different AR, augmented reality yeah. um, tools such that they can attract more customers. So the problem with the online shopping is that there is no feel for the product. And more and more retailers now are trying to bring augmented reality to, to make that um, purchase a little bit more intuitive. Yeah. And returns cost money to the to the industry at the end of the day. Where so so anything mm -hmm. that drives that down presumably is is both it's reducing also, cost, but it's also giving the customer a better experience. Precisely, yeah. precisely. And do you think sort of AR VR is is the key technology in terms of developing? Well, I suppose it hits mm -hmm. it on both sides. And there's mm -hmm. a productivity booster, but it's also mm -hmm. a a customer experience uh, uh, boost as well. Is that the key mm -hmm. technology or do you think there are others out there? There are definitely others. Those are keys and they will continue to, uh, to yeah. evolve, especially now that after years of research, they, they finally show their benefits. Yeah. But um, the other one, the other big one is the big data and machine learning. Okay. Right? So being able to actually identify who your customers are and what they really want and be able to, to provide to them a personalized, curated, unique uh, recommendation to them. Yeah. That's definitely something that, uh, that is going to, um, to become even, even a bigger, uh, bigger part of, um, of the technology uh, journey. So that's a really positive uh, vision, I guess, mm -hmm. for the industry, using technology both to reduce costs, uh, improve productivity, and drive a better customer experience. But what's the main challenges in the sector? Or are there any barriers uh, within the industry preventing businesses from adopting these technologies? And I guess what's happening to, to help overcome those barriers? Well, the reality in the industry is that right now the economic environment is extremely challenging. Yeah. The competition is very, very intense, which is putting a downward pressure on prices. Yeah. 
Um, at the opposite spectrum, costs are increasing, be it uh, imported inflation or increases in the national minimum wage. Yeah. Uh, and to add to that, consumers' uh, discretionary spending is not very strong. Right? We, yeah. uh, we have had sluggish uh, wage growth for, uh, for quite a while, uh, which means that the financial constraints are really what what are driving the uh, the adoption of technology yeah. for many for many retailers and on top of that it's still very difficult to um to to be able to figure out in which specific uh, technology one should invest right there are many uh, technologies which uh, promise wonderful things but still there there aren't very many for which we are certain of uh, what of what they are going to uh, to actually achieve in terms of a return on investment. Yes, yeah. and some of these are quite immature technologies as well. Yeah, exactly. we've only seen them really come to fruition in the last two or three years as well. Precisely. Yeah, but what uh, what also what we are seeing now is that some uh, some retailers, especially the traditional retailers that are trying to. Uh, um, to transform, I guess. And to transform and to, to become better at uh, also the online business, yeah. not only the, the traditional brick and mortar business. They're starting to partner up with businesses that are actually having the edge already okay. on the online business. So you're so starting to see a lot more partnerships within the sector then. Skills is obviously something that we in the tech sector here uh, holds back other industries mm -hmm. from, from adopting more uh, technologies and, and to be honest it's, it's a huge uh, hindrance and, and drag on, on the tech mm -hmm. sector itself as, as well. I know that uh, BRC's Better Jobs campaign has been looking at the impact of uh, what we refer to as sort of fourth industrial revolution technologies and that's what we've talked about today already, cloud, mm -hmm. AR, VR, AI. How are you seeing the technology impact or change in the retail workforce in the UK? And, and how is the BRC's campaign uh, trying to influence that change? Well, definitely, it's, uh, the workforce in, in retail is going to be impacted as more and more low-skilled jobs are being automated. Right? We already see pretty much all stores having uh, um, the checkout, um, self-checkout yeah. yeah. um, tails. Um, so one thing that is going to happen is the number of jobs is, is going to, to decrease. On the other hand, what's going to happen is that there will be new jobs that are being created. Yeah. And those jobs will be, um, will be higher skills, will be hopefully more rewarding to, uh, yeah. um, to the workforce. So we'll see, we'll see a different, a transformed workforce. We have a, um, a survey that we run amongst our members, and we have asked them this year to, uh, to give examples of jobs that they have created over the last five years. And a lot of those jobs are related to, to data analytics, to data yeah. democratization, okay. futurology. So trying, right, coming back to the same big data, trying to see how to, uh, how to harness the power of... Um, so you can see that shift in real time, maybe, as, as companies look for different yeah. skill sets. And looking a little bit further ahead, um, what do you think sort of shoppers will expect and, and should expect from retailers uh, in the next decade, say, say out to 2030? Um, what do you think sort of that experience mm -hmm. is going to feel like? Well, one, um, in addition to online shopping, the other thing that the internet has brought is a lot of information to the consumer.
And the fact that now the consumer can not only find out everything about the product online and can compare prices online, but a consumer can talk to other consumers and can read unedited yeah. reviews of. So what the internet has done is to actually shift some of the control over the brand from the brand itself, from the manufacturer to the consumer. Yeah. So what, um, what I think we're going to see in the future, we're going to see more of the so-called omni-channel, right? uh, a line between offline and online, which is increasingly blurred and is going to get even, even more blurred, where people are going to go to the stores, not only to, to shop, but expecting, expecting the so-called experiential uh, um, activity. What a future. Liliana, that's been brilliant. Thank you very much for giving us your insight and participating today in Supercharging. I'm sure we will be speaking to you soon again. Thank you. Thank you very much. So transport was one of the main uh, tracks in supercharging the digital economy today in Manchester. And we have Jessica Russell, who is Tech UK's very own smart transport program manager here to talk a little bit about smart mobility, but most importantly about a report that she launched today entitled Future Mobility Services in the UK. Jess, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about the purpose of the report and also the vision that we as Tech UK and our members paint in it as well? Uh, yeah, thanks, Matt. So really what we wanted to do was tap into the UK culture of innovation and to make the most of what is an already vibrant sector in the UK. Our vision for the future of mobility is, deep breath, a digitally enabled, interoperable, integrated and inclusive transportation network that connects citizens with services that can offer door-to-door -door convenience, as well as responding to dynamic pressures of demand and catering to specific needs within a locality. Okay, well that sounds great, but aren't commuters sort of resigned to uh, scenes like we saw at Paddington uh, a couple of days ago where you know, the entire station stranded sort of you know if that's the reality today what's the point in having a vision which is this seamless door-to-door -door connectivity so you're absolutely right scenes uh, like yesterday in paddington um don't paint a great picture of the mobility services sector at the moment uh, but that that's also the reason why we need a vision uh, to move us from where we are now uh, to something more seamless and reliable in maybe 10, 20, even 30 years' time. What we've done is really tease out a few key enabling technologies uh, that sit behind those uh, trends that we're seeing uh, change the shape of the mobility services sector. And sort of why, you know, why now really? It, you know, are there particular things happening at the moment which sort of there were once in a generation opportunity. We hear today about the rail review and there was a lot of agreement on the panel that the structure of the rail industry just isn't set up for these sorts of services. Are there other things going on that similar type of, if we don't strike this now, we're gonna be locked in for another decade plus? So you've really hit the nail on the head in calling it a once in a generation um, opportunity. Timing is key here, and we're really seeing that the government is building ambition around this and taking some decisive action, uh, like the rail review, also the licensing review to support the uh, rollout of autonomous vehicles. Um, 
So yeah, we're really seeing some good activity, but we are going to need to see some more direction um, and leadership for this. And so I think what we wanted to do with this report was to harness that energy that's coming from the government and show that the tech sector is really ready uh, to support um, delivering on an ambition. And you talk a lot about mobility service sector. What, what exactly do you mean by that? You know, we, we hear from the transport sector a lot today, but to you, is, is sort of one the future and one the past, or is it uh, a mix of the two? So we have heard a lot today um, from the transport sector, and I think the main difference is with mobility, we're really looking at that end-to-end journey, um, and that includes active transport like bicycles or walking, or um, as well as private hire-type vehicles, um, and joining up the private and public fixed and flexible infrastructure uh, services that are available. And so I think what we need to do in terms of going back to your question about timing as well, is that we've got this unique moment where we're seeing all these different actors coming together, whether they're private or public providers of a mobility service, um, and they're wanting to develop these end-to-end solutions for the consumer, which is the traveler. And a big focus has also been inclusiveness, whether that be for differently abled users or people living in uh, different geographical contexts. And we talk about end-to-end solutions a lot uh, in the report. So how important is data to uh, facilitate that? So full disclosure, I'm Australian, so I am going to say data, and it's going to hurt, but just get through it. Um, I think the whole point of data in uh, mobility services is actually just giving us what the user is doing. Um, and really meaning that we can tailor these solutions. So if you have a bicycle, you can build that into your journey planning, or if you prefer to walk, that's possible as well. So it really is um, a big factor in understanding user behavior, um, and it's going to change the way we understand how people move around this country. And we've got a couple of uh, case studies and examples of different uh, future mobility services uh, in the report. Uh, Julia is one using a mobility as a service uh, uh, type of provision. Uh, but we've also got a, a gentleman uh, using demand responsive transport. And where do you think you got the inspiration for uh, that type of description? Sorry, is that for the uh, very elderly gentleman, Matthew from Wales? Uh, yeah, I think it is. And, and as a 31-year-old gentleman from Wales, I do wonder where very elderly comes in. But uh, in any case, most serious point. Um, reports out there, so online and available on our website, uh, as well as uh, having been picked up by a great audience that we had at Supercharging. What next? What's necessary and needed in terms of actually moving us a little bit uh, on the path to this vision of, of putting these enablers in place? So I think the key for the next steps is going to be unpicking that vision and particularly around what does it mean when we say interoperable and what do we mean when we say integrated? Um, something I'm really interested in and looking forward to working with our members is this shift away from the focus on the ticket um, and looking more at how yeah. we can change payment structures uh, to support this sort of multimodal integrated system without having to go and purchase a ticket to ride, whether that be on a bus here or a train to somewhere else. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Jess, for joining the podcast for this special October edition. I am sure we will hear you soon again on here.
Thank you. That brings to an end this episode of our podcast as we celebrate Tech UK supercharging the digital economy event here in Manchester. As ever, we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Get in touch with us on Twitter at TechUK or drop us an email on press at techuk.org. For more information on activities across Tech UK's programmes and upcoming events, you can visit techuk.org or check out our LinkedIn page. I've been Matt Evans. Thanks very much for listening. And if you weren't here, then you can catch up on everything that happened at Supercharging on our YouTube channel.